This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. This is Secrets of the Most Productive People, a productivity podcast where we work smarter instead of harder and dissect exactly how to get it all done. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor Kate Davis. And I'm Fast Company Assistant Editor Anissa Purvisari-Horan. This week, we'll be talking about how to manage up. We'll also talk to Dana Brownlee, who wrote a book on this topic, The Unwritten Rules of Managing Up, Project Management Techniques from the Trenches. So here's an obvious truth I didn't realize until I started my first job out of college. It's that when it comes to your professional life, no matter what you do, you are the only one who is in charge of your career. Not your best friend, not your parents, not your boss, and not your college professor. Yeah, and I think realizing that can be kind of a shock because it's a case of like what got you here isn't going to get you there. Like Definitely what not. what made you a, an A student, a successful student is not going to get you a promotion, is not going to like help your career. Keeping your head down and working hard is is not the answer. No, it's like the recipe for getting taken advantage of at mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's and but that's exactly, you know, and it's it's really difficult cuz that's what got you A's, you know, that yeah. that's what gets you ahead in school is like being a good student, but being successful in your career takes a totally different set of skills. It's not just your boss managing you or your boss in charge of you, it's you as an employee managing the other people you work with and also managing up, managing your boss and figuring out how to work best with them. Yeah, I feel like that's also a concept that I kind of intellectually understood but found it really hard to practice when I started working because if you think about all of the previous instances like a teacher-student relationship or even a coach-athlete relationship, it's very prescriptive. There's kind of rules that you know. You just follow the instructions. instructions And you don't really have to manage your classmates. And okay, maybe in group assignments you kind of do, but it's on such a smaller scale but I guess like the freeing thing about it is is realizing that you have more in those instances, you know, when you're a student, you you don't have much control, but no. like you have more control as an employee. Like one, you can quit, but two, you can help guide your boss and teach your boss about how you like to be worked with and the best way to work together. And it can be more collaborative. Yeah, exactly. Like at school, it's like, okay, you have to have this deadline and it's non-negotiable at work. That might not always be the case, um, you know, not that you always should be asking for an extension, but there might be a better way for you to work on it yeah. where it's not as like stressful. Whereas, you know, when you're in college and you took four different classes and all your essays are due in that same week, there's not really much you can do yeah. about it. The other truth that's probably not so obvious for college graduates is that managing people isn't just about like your boss checking in on you or giving you instructions. When you enter a workplace, you also have to work with other people and you have to manage everyone you work with. And you also, no matter where you are, what level you're at, you have to learn to manage the people above you too. Yeah, I felt like it definitely took me a long time to kind of understand that concept. Like I think I knew it in theory, but I was like, well, how the hell do I do this? Another way to think about it, I guess, is that you're working towards a common goal for Mm -hmm. the company. You know, like you're all trying to achieve the same things. And what you do as an employee ultimately ends up as the responsibility of the manager. And I think like employees sometimes don't think about that. Like, you know, you might be working towards that common goal, you know, for the company, but like individually you might have very different career goals and like focuses and and it can be easy to, to lose sight of that if you're not kind of proactive about managing it. And going on to professional goals, you might have the same professional goals, but you have really different working style. Like One person might like to give constant update or be getting constant update. The other person might prefer to work autonomously and they really hate it when 
you know, people check in on them and ask them questions and get updated. They might just prefer to kind of do their work, um, you know, give it to whoever when they're finished and get feedback that way. Yeah. And I mean, there's also like, it's a totally different conversation, but you could also just have like a really horrible boss. And That's then how true. do you manage that? You know? Yeah. And we'll definitely get into that. But let's talk about managing up in the first two instances, starting with career goals. Because, you know, obviously your boss does have a huge part in helping you achieve your career goals, but they can't read your mind about what you want. And they might also, based on their own career goals and experience, make various assumptions about what you want out of your career that are just completely wrong. Yeah. And so I think for that one, there's a really simple solution that can be really kind of difficult and, and awkward and intimidating um, for people to do. And that's about scheduling like one-on-one -on -one conversations, like regular one-on-one -on -one conversations. And, you know, the first step of that is picking a time when you know that your boss is not going to be distracted and, and kind of like give you their full attention. And and the framing it is important, too, um, because you do want to think about how your career goals tie to the company. So the, it can't be like, I want to have these meetings to like talk about how I can get a promotion yeah. like, <laughs> every week. Let's talk about what I can get out of this or whatever. It's like it's very important always, always, always to frame it like how can I do the best job at my job? How can I help you the best? You know, knowing that and like going back to what you do makes your boss look good or bad. And also, you know, how can I help the company? I know the company's, you know, what are the company's needs and how can I help work towards that? Make the conversation kind of like, I'm interested in developing this expertise because it will be allow me to be better in my role and do this for you and kind of setting your boss up to like be on your side and like, know that they want to come to that one-on-one -on -one meeting because it's going to like benefit them and benefit the company and not like, oh, this is just a nice thing I'm doing to help Anissa's career. You know? yeah. yeah, it's not just all about you, the employee. It's about the boss, the company, and they know what they get out of it as well. And I think that this approach can also apply with working styles because if you have two different people who have two completely different working styles and they're just trying to Usually it's dependent on the employee changing their working style, but that might not always be possible. And I feel like if you have an honest conversation, you can usually find some sort of middle ground or a way where both of you can work that's not, you know, that's actually productive. And it's much easier to have it from a conciliatory perspective rather than like, I hate it when you do this. Yeah. Um, this doesn't make me productive. It's kind of more like, hey, to kind of speed up the process and to make it easier for both of us when we do this this just makes me much better and much quicker and I think a frustration that you know maybe more entry-level employees have is like I'm doing this like grunt work like how does this matter what does this yeah. you know and, and like, it usually does matter it usually does matter but like if you have that conversation with your boss then maybe that helps you you know and if they're not communicating why it matters then yeah asking that and figuring that out and then like maybe not being so annoyed that you have to do so many like photocopies or spreadsheets or yeah. whatever, you know. And then it kind of helps when, you know how sometimes you get given a deadline and it turns out that they don't look at it for like another two mm -hmm. weeks and you don't know why. And I think that, you know, having that conversation and knowing the external pressures probably helps the employee being like, okay, I still have to respect this deadline, even if I know that it might not get looked at for like another month because I understand the yeah. company. Well, and, spe and that makes me think of like noticing the things that are important to your boss. Yeah. So like maybe you're given a lot of deadlines, but your boss doesn't really actually care about those deadlines mm -hmm. and look at them, you know, so it's like maybe that's not the most important thing. Something else is the most important thing. Or maybe like your boss gets checks in as soon as something's late, like as soon as soon as it's late. Yeah. Like she's signaling to you that deadlines are very, very important. And yeah. like, focus on that part you know like there's a lot of that you can kind of 
just like notice and pay attention to a person and figure out what's important to them, you know? Yeah. So let's talk about career goals because that one can be a tricky one, especially if, you know, your career goal might be that you want to be in the position that your boss is in. Like, how do you even bring that up? I mean, it's definitely one. And we talked about this in like the, in our interviewing yeah. uh, episode of like, where do you want to be in five years? You never say like your job. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, I, I have think, to replace you. <laughs> like, I want to replace. Yeah. But I think it's like, that's another conversation about, well, where is this company but or this group or whatever going? You know, like, how do you see it evolving? And how can I, you know, like, evolve and help? And, you know, like, it's probably a position that maybe doesn't exist anymore. Or yeah. maybe there's, you know, that person is thinking, there's only so much growth within our team, but I think that you could maybe go somewhere else, like another team or something of, like, mm-hmm. And that's a conversation, I think, like those bigger career conversations are not ones you have like every one-to-one meeting. Yeah, it's are, more kind of a once a year, maybe in your review or, mm-hmm. you know, check-in type thing. And another thing to think about is, I mean, probably framing it in terms of I want your job is kind of a little bit aggressive, but mm-hmm. your boss probably wants to get promoted as well. And so it's actually not that kind of Well, it's also like paying, unnatural. you know, it's kind of bad to say, but it's it's paying attention to just the company as a whole and like, where are you and where is there for you to move but where is there for your boss to move and Mm -hmm. sometimes sometimes you get to a certain point where the only place to move is out like there's no more you know if you want your boss's job and there's nowhere for your boss to move up to you're probably not going to get your boss's job Mm -hmm. so if you want that title or want that whatever then it's you have to find somewhere else most bosses probably are aware of that so if you like you say i guess if you frame it in terms of this is what you'd like to be doing more of and Mm -hmm. the kind of work that you'd like to be involved in it's not as it doesn't come across as you know arrogant as if yeah, I want to replace think, you in five years. And I years. think some good bosses realize that like people are going to leave. Like, exactly, people are going to work there for a couple of years and leave, mm-hmm. especially when they're younger and more ambitious and moving more in their career. And nobody stays in their job for forty years anymore. anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can think of these managing up skills as skills, like another job skill you have. So you're not going to stay at your job for forty years you're probably going to have, and even if you do stay at your job, your boss might leave and you might have a different manager. And so like learning how to manage up and manage different personality types and different working styles is a career skill that you can take from job to job to job to job. Yeah. And it probably is relevant in your personal life as well. Because usually once you learn to manage people in the workplace, you're like, oh, actually. I can manage my husband and I can manage my mother and this this customer service person. Yeah, exactly. That's all the same. I feel like it all comes down to the same psychological tricks. Okay. (laughs) So what do you do about the boss who is a micromanager? Or maybe they're the opposite and they just leave you alone and don't give you any direction at all. So Dana Brownlee outlined how to manage up to these bosses and several different types of bosses in her book, The Unwritten Rules of Managing Up Project Management Techniques from the Trenches. So we have her here with us to share her advice, and we've also answered some of the questions that you've asked us. So Dana, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. So could you give us kind of an overview of some of like the different types of bosses that you're finding employees are having trouble with? Sure, sure. I'd love to talk about that. In fact, I launched a survey as I was doing research for the book, and I couldn't believe how many different names they came up with. But I'll just share some of the ones that were the most popular. First, the meddlesome micromanager. Uh, I made the mistake when I first launched my survey of not including the micromanager as one of the types, and respondents definitely let me know that (laughs) that one was missing. 
you know, you're trying to get your work done, but, you know, if they would just stop asking you for status updates or telling you how to do it. So the micromanager is definitely one that people relate to. Another one is we call it the clueless chameleon. This is the one, the boss that they're not exactly sure what they want, but they're going to still hold your feet to the fire when you don't deliver it. You know, they want you to be a, a mind reader. Um, so that can be really difficult. Or maybe they, they give you some direction, but they just kind of keep changing their mind. That's another one. And then, of course, you always hear about, you know, the domineering boss. We call them the tornado or the boss who's missing in action or the one who just wants you to boil the ocean. We call that one the, the wishful thinker. So let's go with that first one that everybody had such a, a reaction to because that's something that, that we've noticed too and we've talked about. So how do you deal with a micromanager boss? Well, they definitely can cause some, some real anxiety and stress. One of the tips that I give with the micromanager is try to identify why they're micromanaging. Um, it's kind of like a doctor with a patient. You've got to maybe do a little detective work to figure out kind of what's going on to figure out what's the right medicine. And by that, I mean, if they just have a micromanaging personality overall and they tend to do that with everything, then you might respond differently than if they seem to only be micromanaging you. Or maybe you've worked with them previously and they didn't micromanage before, but it's maybe this project that they're really obsessed with. Um, so I would say take some time to try to figure out what's the cause of it. And then I also say get ahead of it. So instead of them kind of breathing down your neck, always asking for status updates. One of the things I talk about in the boss is you propose a check-in schedule. And so that does a lot to alleviate their anxiety. So, for example, you might say to the micromanager boss, Linda, say, hey, Linda, I know this project is really high profile. I know that you're really interested in the status updates. I just want to be sure that I'm staying ahead of you. I'm keeping you informed. I was thinking that maybe what I would do is provide you email status updates on Wednesday and Friday mornings. Would that work? And I would include, you know, the latest cost information, where we are in the project plan, you know, give them a sense of what that email might look like. Because what I find is if, if they know the information is coming, then let's say, you know, they have a question on Tuesday. If they know they're going to get that status update Wednesday morning, they're less likely to call you up and harass you and breathe down your neck about it. So that's another technique that I feel works really, really well with those micromanagers. And if we're going on the other extreme, um, what about the bosses that are super hands-off and are missing in action because that might seem like a good thing on its face, but then, you know, employees also need um, some acknowledgement and also some direction that they are actually doing the right things. What advice do you have for people who deal with those kinds of bosses? Yeah, you're exactly right. The other end of the spectrum can be just as difficult. I mean, I've certainly worked on projects where, Really, because the boss wasn't there, wasn't around to give their okay for deliverables, the project really stalled. And so that could become a problem. So with that, a few techniques. One, again, you want to get ahead of it. So let's say that you know that there are certain critical milestone periods that are going to be critically important. Either try to get some advanced um, knowledge of their schedule so you can try to plan around that, or you get to them ahead of time and say, hey, it's, we're going to need a sign-off during this week in November, during this week in January, during this week in March. If you know some of those critical periods, you want to try to plan for that as soon as possible so that maybe even if they're not around generally, 
if you've planned with them, the project is not going to stall or the work is not going to stall because you're going to be able to get your spine off because you kind of like put it on their calendar, like made it a calendar appointment. Another thing that's really key for these MIA bosses is really developing a great relationship with their administrative support, if they have a deputy, someone who is in contact. In fact, I was just working with a client yesterday, and the, it's a very senior-level person who travels all the time, but they have a deputy that's pretty much in contact with them a couple times a day. So maybe you can't get access to that most senior-level person, but you do develop a great relationship with the deputy. And so what I do a lot of times is I'll kind of subtly say, hey, would you mind when you get some FaceTime with them or when you get them on the phone, would you mind just asking them this quick question for me so I can keep the project moving forward? So that can help um, certainly. And then a last, last point is maybe ask them for some recommendations on how you can keep moving things forward in their absence. So it might sound like, you know, hey, John, I know that you've got so much on your plate, and I just want to be sure that I can keep things moving here while you're out. Do you have any suggestions if we get to a point where we do need a decision on a vendor or if we, you know, need to get that feedback so that we can get approval on the deliverable, what would be your recommendation? This is also a great technique because let's say you do need to go around them and go to another senior level person. The last thing you want to do is go around them kind of behind their back or it being perceived as behind their back. So it's better to kind of bring it up early on because then they might suggest, say, hey, Dana, well, anytime I'm out, I'd love for you to, you know, just reach out to Jim. Jim can give you the approval in my absence. So it's great to kind of get them to make that recommendation so they don't feel like they're being blindsided in any way. Yeah, that's great advice. And I, I kind of want to ask you about the, the other types of managers, but I think maybe the best way is to let our listeners ask their questions. So we have a voicemail from a listener that we're going to play for you now, and, and hopefully you can help this person out. Hi. Um, so I work for a small company, and I've been there about 14 months. And at my one-year anniversary, I asked for a review, um, which was reluctantly scheduled for a month later. And by the time that that schedule time rolled around, my boss came to me and said that the CFO was trying to standardize the process company-wide and that more information would be forthcoming. Um, that was a month ago, and I've followed up but haven't gotten any, any more information. And if you have any advice on how to proceed without acting, kind of nagging my boss, that would be so helpful. Thank you. So let me just give you my thoughts on that. For one thing, don't wait 14 months. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that, is, that, that might be a long time. I'm not sure if this is just about a raise or a performance review, but certainly if it's a performance review, I would say certainly you want to get feedback on a more timely basis than that. But the second thing is I would try to frame the conversation more so around work performance and doing an amazing job and bringing in amazing results and maybe possibly moving to acquiring more responsibility in the organization. Those things will bring money. Um, as opposed to framing it directly about money. So, again, everyone cares about what they care about. Everyone cares about what's in it for them. And so certainly when you're talking to your boss or your organization or senior leadership, they want people who are focused on doing a great job, hitting it out of the park, bringing amazing results. Have those types of conversations. And then along with those conversations, you certainly can ask about, well, certainly when I look at my 
career trajectory, um, I'd like to be at this level, or what would it take for me to become a director within a certain number of years, or you can have that career path discussion. And then certainly there's money that goes along with that. But my recommendation would be have the conversation around, hey, you know, I want to do an amazing job. I want to bring in amazing results. What's helpful for me is regular feedback so I can know where I stand. I take my career very seriously. And so I like to schedule some regular career management check-ins. And so I would schedule those conversations. Again, it's framed more so around you're being serious about your career and you're being serious about doing an amazing job. And then with that or as part of that, you can have the salary conversation as well. And our our next listener question is um, from Twitter. Uh, she says, I have a coworker who I really can't stand. He's horrible at his job and he makes everyone's life miserable, but he has a really good relationship with our boss and she doesn't seem to see how bad he is. Should I bring it up with her? And how can I do that without seeming like a tattletale um, about someone she likes? Mm, that is a really good situation. So if I'm getting it correctly, they're saying... They kind of can't stand their coworker, but the coworker has a great relationship as kind of the chosen one yeah. of the boss. Yeah, and it, so- it sounds yeah. like it's a situation where kind of everybody feels this way, but nobody wants to say anything because this, this person's in the good graces of, of the boss. Right, right. Well, a couple things. I mean, I do think it's a little bit of a tricky situation, but a couple things. One... What I would do, in fact, I was interviewing a senior level executive, a woman who is now ranked like one of the 50 most powerful women in business. And one of the techniques, the tips that she gave me when I asked her what did she do to become successful throughout her career, she said that she realized, you know, your boss is your biggest advocate. And she was struggling because she felt like she wasn't really getting the recognition that some of her peers were getting, even though she was outperforming her peers. And so she said, you know, I got really deliberate and really tactical about almost creating like talking points or like a result sheet. Like every month I would like document, these were my results. This is what I got. And so, because she was saying, Hey, I'd be number one in the market, but somehow on the conference call, somebody else would kind of get the accolades. And that really frustrated me. So what she did was she really kind of documented that information, made it, you know, maybe it's just a a couple slides saying, Hey, these are my results this month that, you know, I want to ensure that you're aware of the great things that I'm doing, but certainly I'll, So I want to hit it out of the park every month. So I would say maybe think about doing something like that, just being very deliberate, not focusing on denigrating the other person or tearing them down. But when you show your results and you show the amazing things that you're doing, it certainly pumps you up. And that's what this person, you know, I think is seeking. So I would certainly say, say that another technique that I would also throw in there that kind of could relate to this. Again, it's not necessarily about putting anyone else down, but as I learned a long time ago, anytime you want to make a point, but you're concerned about how it might be perceived, turn it into a question instead of making a statement. So maybe if you feel like you're moving into some dicey territory or it might be a little bit sensitive, maybe you can just ask some pointed questions. You know, if there are areas where you feel like you're excelling or your performance, um, you've outperformed others, you know, maybe just ask some pointed questions about that. You know, what are the types of results that you're looking for in sales this month or um, things like that? And then, again, pointing out 
how you've been successful in that regard. So that would pretty much be what I would recommend. I mean, the truth is there are going to be people we just don't like and people we don't get along with. And I'm a big believer in, you know what, just like on the playground or just like I tell my kids, you don't have to be friends with everybody. When they, you know, tell me that they, you know, one of their little friends did something or they can't stand somebody. I'm like, you know what? There are 20 kids in the class. Go play with somebody else. (laughs) You know, don't worry about that person. Just play with somebody else. Be sure that you have a great relationship with the teacher and don't worry about things that you can't control. Yeah, that's I think that's really good advice, too, of instead of focusing on what they're doing wrong, pump up what you're doing well. And then, you know, hopefully the boss will see that in comparison and draw those those conclusions herself. Probably helpful for your mental health as well. You don't focus on the (laughs) bad things. Right, right. And you never know what the boss might really think. I mm-hmm. mean, the boss might really know the person kind of has some issues, and but they're just not voicing that as mm-hmm. well. So you just step out there. And I've been in that situation myself where I felt like maybe I kind of wasn't getting the acknowledgement or the recognition. Um, and there were some other kind of slackers around me. But lo and behold, the, the boss actually did realize they were slackers. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're right. Like sometimes, you know, they're they're paying more attention than you think they are. or They're just, you know, holding their their cards close to their chest because it's like, well, I can't show that I also think that this person is maybe not the greatest, you know? Right, right. I think that's actually all the questions that we have for you. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. Right now, it's time to press pause and get your pen ready because you might want to write this down. How to manage up when you have a bad boss. Number one, identify their triggers and preemptively prepare for them. A difficult boss can be unpredictable, but usually there are certain things that send them over the edge. They may give you vague instructions, yet expect you to know exactly what they want. Ask them something like, I know it bothers you when we get a report that doesn't analyze these things in detail. Can I run a few questions by you to make sure I'm focusing on the right things? Number two, show your appreciation while putting the ball back in their court. Your boss might expect you to bite off more than what you can chew. So tell them that you are grateful for their trust and confidence, but then gently remind them that based on your prior discussion, you were under the impression that your focus should be on another project, and in order to deliver on that project, you need to focus on that or put that on the back burner so you can focus on this project that they had just assigned to you. This forces them to think about what's really important. Number three, know your limits. There are certain bosses that are just difficult to be around and you need to know what point is enough. If you feel like you've tried that you're best at managing up, but still working with them is affecting your mental health, it's time to think about looking for other opportunities. You should never compromise your mental health for your job. And that's all for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to Secrets of the Most Productive People wherever you listen to podcasts. Next episode, we'll be talking about how to get a promotion. So what questions do you have about getting ahead at work? Let us know by leaving us a voicemail at 201-371-FAST. That's 201-371-3278. And we will find an expert to answer your question. Or you can also tweet your questions with the hashtag FC Most Productive. And if this episode was helpful, please let us know. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can follow Fast Company on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Secrets of the Most Productive People is produced by Danielle Roth.